Amen. We had an Anzac service here at the school, and I was a bit blown away. The last person to die at Gallipoli was actually an old boy of um, the college, Marlborough College. And that really brought it home to me. Sometimes I don't think we realise just how much has been done before us. And speaking of what's been done before my standing up here, we've been talking about the road to hope. And last week at Easter, Tom talked about the choices that we make and that hope is alive in Jesus. In Acts 17, it says that in him we live and move and have our very being. So what comes next for us? What are we going to do with this death and resurrection? What are we going to do with this resurrection power? The resurrection power that ripped the temple curtain from top to bottom, enabling us through Jesus to walk into God's presence anytime we like. I don't know about you, but sometimes I think I take that a bit too much for granted. I forget what's been done to make that possible. The road to hope is travelled by faith. The future of hope is faith. And hope in the future is faith. Are you confused yet? I hope you are, because I was when God first gave this to me. The future of hope is faith, and hoping in the future is faith. The next step on this road to hope and faith is forging another identity through him. We are being made new continually, like a waterfall that washes over us and molds us into the shape of Jesus. And we need that. A.W. Tozer once said that, If you think of Jesus as a piano in perfect tune, as we come in tune with Jesus, we automatically come in tune with each other by emulating him. So what is our identity? What forms the core of our being, the core of our decisions daily? What motivates us, moves us, sustains us, completes us? I'm going to get real now. Right now, many are looking at the future with uncertainty. What's coming next? Can I handle it? And even more are looking at themselves and thinking, I've heard that Easter story again and again. But you know what? I'm still me. I haven't changed, nor do I believe I ever will. The road to hope requires faith. It's travelled by faith. And today I'm going to hopefully, pun intended, give you some by showing you beyond shadow of a doubt that your future doesn't rest on your fears and perceived failures, but on his loving promises. So let me take you on a journey and show you the connection between faith and hope. Psalm 42.5 
Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him for the help of his presence. My focus here today is those three words, hope in God. The identity I want to forge is an identity that lives, moves, and breathes hope in God. But that's not all. If you dig into that whole phrase of hope in God, if you look at the language it's originally put in, you uncover a deeper meaning. To hope in God is to be waiting on God. To be waiting on God in an earnest expectation that what he will do is going to be good. And I feel for myself and for many, we're questioning that right now. So let's take a good, long, hard look at it. Hebrews 6, 11 through 12. And we desire that each one of you demonstrate the same diligence so as to receive the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you will not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and endurance inherit the promises. Keep your finger in this verse for later. We're coming back. But for now, get this. Full assurance of hope until the end is achieved through diligence. We have to work at it. And the rewards of that diligence are worth it completely. If you go even further, you realize that to hope in God is to have faith. Motivated by his love for us and our love for him. Faith, hope, love. Sounds a bit familiar, doesn't it? Been there before. So what I'm going to do today is I'm going to give you a sermon to preach to yourself daily. A sermon entitled, Hope in God. Richard Sibbs, one of the great old Puritan preachers of Cambridge who died in 1635, so that shows how long this has been around, wrote a whole book, 175 pages long, on Psalm 42.5. Yep, 175 pages on one verse. He was called the sweet dropper because of how much confidence and joy his sermons caused. He called his book, The Soul's Conflict with Itself. Because in Psalm 42.5, that's exactly what you have. The soul arguing with itself, preaching to itself. Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God. Now, if any of this sounds like a bit of judgment to you, it's not. I've been ripping a log out of my own eye this week. And I'm just preaching to you what I got preached to. <laughs> Hoping in God does not come naturally for sinners like us. We must preach it to ourselves. And we must preach it diligently and forcefully. Or we're going to give way to a downcast and disquieted spirit. Now, don't get this mixed up with positive thinking. There's a difference that will become clear as we unpack biblical hope 
versus wishful thinking. Watch this space. Personally, I love the way the psalmists wrestle and fight and struggle to maintain their hope in God. Makes me feel a little bit more normal. This is a normal Christian experience while we're still just saved sinners. We're not in heaven yet. And we better own up to it. And we better share it and get help. Or else we may grow sluggish and slack in our fight for hope. We need to actively build an emotional reservoir of hope. Rather than living on empty, being knocked around by all that happens, we need to step aside and feed ourselves on faith, hope and love. We need that in the tank to forgive others. We need it to cope when things don't go our way. We need it before we face the storm. But first, let's look at what biblical hope is and what it isn't. We use the word hope in at least three different ways. The first one, hope is a desire for something good for ourselves in the future. A child might say, I hope my parent gets home so we can play. This is hope that's looking for something good for the child. It's a hope. The second one is, hope is the good thing in the future that we're desiring for someone else. We say, I hope that my friend arrives safely. The safe arrival is the object of our hope in this one. And this is where it gets really cool. The third one, hope is the reason why our hope might actually happen. We say a good tailwind is our only hope of getting there on time. In other words, the tailwind is the reason we may, in fact, achieve the future good that we desire. It's our only hope. We're hoping on hope. Complicated little creatures, aren't we? So hope is used in three senses. A desire for something good in the future, the thing in the future that we desire, and the basic reason for thinking that our desire might actually happen. Now all three of these are uses that are found in the Bible. So there's nothing wrong with them. But the most important feature of biblical hope is not present in any of these ordinary uses of the word hope. In fact, the distinctive meaning of hope in Scripture is almost the opposite of our ordinary usage. It's the opposite in this sense. Ordinarily, when we use the word hope, we express uncertainty rather than certainty. I hope my parents get home early means... I don't have any certainty that my parent will get home on time. I only desire that. I want it. My hope is that my friend will arrive safely means we don't know if they will or not. But that's what we want. That's our desire. A good tailwind is our only hope of arriving on time means a good tailwind would bring about our desired outcome, but we can't be sure we're going to get one. We're hoping on hope. Back to that verse you've got your finger in. Hebrews 6, 11 to 12, 12. And we desire that each one of you demonstrate the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end. So that you will not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and endurance inherit the promises. 
to maintain biblical hope where we are sure of the outcome requires diligence on our part. It requires hard work. We love that term, don't we? Yeah. The kids are just so happy that they stayed in this morning. Mr. Kirby's doing his usual thing. Homework! It requires hard work to fill that tank full of faith-filled hope. It requires an exercise of faith, forging another identity through him, through Jesus, an identity that hopes in God. The full assurance of hope in verse 11 means hope which is fully assured. Hope which is confident. Hope that has certainty in it. It's not finger-crossing hope. It's not that lip-biting gaze as you watch the All Black go for a try in the last 10 seconds when you're down by two points. It's a certainty. It's a certain knowledge. This will happen. In fact, verse 12 shows us that hope and faith are almost synonymous. They're almost the same thing. Notice the connection. Verse 11 says, go hard after full assurance of hope. And verse 12 says, the result of that pursuit of hope is that you will be like those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Pursue hope so that you can be like men and women of faith and identity that hopes in God. But let's go a little bit further on this connection between hope and faith. The term full assurance used here in verse 11 comes from a term plerophorian. And it's found in one other place in Hebrews. One other place. Namely, in chapter 10, verse 22. And in chapter 10, verse 22 of Hebrews... It renders it not as a full assurance of hope, but as a full assurance of faith. It says this, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Then in the next verse it says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. It's not about us. It's about him. And we have to hold fast to that. And that takes effort. Notice, hope is something that should not waver because it's rooted in the faithfulness of God. There should be certainty in it because the will and purpose of God are like iron not sinking sand. Our hope is planted firmly in God's faithfulness and purpose. It forms our identity as a Christian. We must have faith. And if you're feeling like you don't have much today, again, this is not judgment. This is all of us together getting back on the road to hope. Our identity is rooted in God's ironclad faithfulness, not in ourselves. But what about the relationship between full assurance of faith and full assurance of hope? 
Is there a difference? Well, let me point it out to you. Faith is the larger idea, and hope is a necessary part of biblical faith. Hope is the part of faith that focuses on the future. In biblical terms, when faith is directed to the future, you can call it hope. But faith can focus on the past and also the present too. So faith is the larger term and hope fits within it. Very close to doing a maths thing on sets at this point. But they're looking at me funny. So I'll stop. You can see this in Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the certainty of things hoped for. A proof of things not seen. I'll say it again. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Faith is the certainty of things hoped for. A proof of things not seen. Whenever there is full certainty of hope, there is faith. Faith is the full certainty of hope. Biblical faith is a confident expectation and desire for good things in the future. We know God's promises are true. We stand on them. But faith is more than that. It's also the proof of things not seen. And some of these are not future. For example, if you carry on from 11.1 to verse 3, by faith we understand that the world was created by the word of God. Faith can look back to creation as well as forward. So faith is the larger idea and it includes hope. But it's more than hope. You might put it this way. Faith is our confidence in the word of God. And whenever that word has reference and speaks about the future, you can call our confidence in it hope. Hope, here comes the English lesson, hope is faith in the future tense. So, why have I gone to such great pains to point this out? Two reasons. One is that it helps us grasp the true nature of biblical hope. Most of us know that biblical faith is a strong confidence. Doubt is the enemy of biblical faith. But if hope is faith in the future tense, then we can see more clearly that hope too is a strong confidence and not just wishful thinking. It's for real. It's not based in us. It's not based in our fears or our failures or what we think or how we feel. It's based on God's nature, ironclad, not sinking sand. And I know for myself there are times when I feel like my faith sucks. And then I have to keep reminding myself, yet will I hope on the Lord. Regardless of how I feel, regardless of what's coming up, Regardless of whatever, God hasn't changed. God still rules. God still reigns. Doubt may whisper, but I'll just scream back at it. Hope in God. The other reason is it's important to see this relationship between faith and hope because 
it shows how vitally important hope is. When hope was lost at Gallipoli, people started to do things that they put them in danger. There's many records of that. When people lose all hope, well, you know what comes next. We can't let that happen. And if that's happening for you, don't let Satan isolate you. Don't fall into that whole trap of thinking, I'm a weakling, I don't want to share that I'm weak. Rubbish! Even David had his moments. A man after God's own heart. In the Psalms, even he said, Why is this happening? But yet, I will praise God and I will hope in God. He set a good precedent and we need to follow it. We all know that we're saved by grace through faith. Faith is necessary for our salvation. But we don't as often speak of hope in those terms. But we really should. Hope is an essential part of faith, the subset. Take away hope, and the definition of faith in Hebrews 11.1 is destroyed. Faith is the certainty of things hoped for, a proof of things not seen. We are not merely saved by grace through faith. We are saved by grace through hope. Hope that we will be accepted by God and walk into his presence. Both today, tomorrow, until the end of time. Whenever faith in God looks to the future, it can be called hope. And whenever hope rests on the word of God, it can be called faith. This hope leads us, I hope, pardon, to the inescapable conclusion that not only are we saved by Jesus, but we are continually are being saved from our sinful nature and the sinful world through the promises of God that we can look on with absolute certainty. Our fears, our failures must submit to our future hope. And that's where the hard work comes in. Psalm 42.5 Hope in God. Forging another identity through him. So we need to come to Jesus now. We've heard that before, but we need to come to Jesus in a different way. We need to come and say, forge my identity anew. Forge it into one of hope. Forge it into one that dwells on his goodness. Help me to stubbornly grasp it. Because we know that future hope lies in his goodness. It's not rooted in how we feel. Emotions are good servants, but they're very poor masters. How we feel is important, but it doesn't change who God is. It's rooted in his faithfulness. There have been times in my life where I've been sitting there like David going, God, where are you? What's going on? What's happening? Can you download the day for me so I can be ready? God has a sense of humor, right? No, son, I'm not going to download the day because if you saw what was coming, you'd be out the door and running down. 
But I will be there when you face it. When you go through that furnace, I'll be there with you. As my promises never change. Some here today don't feel that God could love them. Some feel that God doesn't care. Some are doubting what they believe. Jeremiah 29.11 seems like a pipe dream. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for good and not for evil, to bring you a hope and a future. And if you're feeling that way, don't hide it. Don't think you're going to get judged. Don't think somebody's going to point the finger and say, Bad Christian! Because I'm here to tell you. I have that too. Yet, I will hope in the Lord. Where is this loving God and his promises? Right where he's always been. Problem is, I've been spending far too much time looking at the waves and not looking at Jesus. And I'm sinking. <laughs> Peter, I love him. So great. Thank you, God, for putting Peter in the Bible. Gets me through the week knowing I'm not the only one who stuffs things up. Hope in God is not about getting everything the way we want it. Okay? You need to know that. Hope in God is not about getting everything the way we want it. The two thieves on the cross, the one who actually spoke to Jesus and Jesus said, I tell you today you'll be with me in paradise. He didn't just suddenly magically jump off the cross and be out of pain. He died. But he had a future hope. Unlike the one on the other side. Hope in God is not about getting everything the way we want it. Hope in God is when we accept all his promises, wait for it, all his promises, including the ones that say when we suffer, it's going to be worth it in the end. And sometimes it's our suffering that brings the breakthrough for others. When they see it and say, give me a reason for the hope that's in your eyes, even though you're suffering. Ouch. Our enemy likes to whisper things to us. And his biggest lie is, you can't trust in God, it's not worth the effort. You can't trust in God, it's not worth the effort. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Depends on what we're looking at. And I'm the chief of sinners. <laughs> Maybe today you're feeling tired. Maybe today you're feeling worn. Maybe today you're feeling fed up with the battle to hope in God. Get this. Show me your limitations and I'll show you where your miracles start to happen. You show me where you're struggling and I'll show you where God will show up. Miracles. They come to us when we need them most. As I said at the beginning, right now many are looking at the future with uncertainty. What's coming next? Can I handle it? Even more are looking at themselves and thinking, I've heard this Easter story, but you know what? I'm still me. I haven't changed, nor do I believe I ever will. Time for some hope. A.W. Tozer wrote a book called I Talk Back to the Devil. I like that title. I Talk Back to the Devil. And to maintain our reservoir of hope, that's exactly what we need to do. 
spit on the lies and tell ourselves daily, hope in God. It's not built on the circumstances, it's not built on the storm, it's built on who God is and God does not change. One on the cross died with Christ as his saviour and the other one didn't. One made a decision to look away from future hope and deny faith. The other made a decision to look Jesus in the eye and say, remember me. And Jesus did. What decision are you going to make right now? In five minutes' time? Tomorrow? The next day? Dare I say it? The next time you read the news? Choose the road to hope. In faith, forging another identity through him. Choose today and every day to fill your tank with the faithfulness of God. Dwell on it. Fill yourself with it. Let your heart, soul, and mind come into alignment with the truth. The future is in his hands. And you can trust those hands. They bled for you. You've been very quiet. It's time for you to actually do some work now. Call out some of the promises of God. And I'll fire them off to the people at home in case they can't hear you. What are some of the promises of God? Yes, this is a test. He will never leave me nor forsake me. Amen. Right, I've got two at once. Go. He has plans for us. His promises are yes and amen. Jesus made it so. He is our living hope. This is awesome. He works all things together for good. There's more. He is the beginning and he is the end, so we don't need to worry about the middle. In him I live and move and have my being. Yeah, I'll have to do it in half, Susan. My brain is like a bit slow now. I can't remember the whole thing. <laughs> it's not true. He's for us, not against us. We need to face the storm together in faith. Now, okay, you've heard some people here. You know, don't just listen to the guy who's wearing the suit jacket. All right? Take up the sword of the Lord the word of God, the power of the Holy Spirit. And let's start striking down some of this rubbish that's actually making us lose hope. Let's start taking it out. Let's start actively looking in ourselves and around each other and saying, okay, that doesn't belong in my brain. That doesn't belong in your brain. Not in judgment. And freedom. Freedom. Is it wrong to fear? No, because otherwise you'd walk off a cliff. Um, but our fear needs to be based in reality. And God knows that. And God, please give us the knowledge to know the difference. Give us the strength to know the difference. Help us to hope again. We need to face the storm together in faith. 
Because it's not just us that's facing that storm. There are those out there facing the storm and looking at a Christless eternity, and we need to grab them quick. Somebody mentioned this morning, there seems to be an attack on churches right now. It's interesting. There are other businesses out there that abuse, abuse their workers. Don't see them in the news, do you? It's almost like there's a little bit of a spiritual conspiracy going on. Are we going to sit down and take that? No. We're going to pick up the sword of the Spirit and we're going to go to war. You with me? Let's forge an identity through our future hope. Because here's a promise. At the end of it all, we win. All right? Battles to be fought, but the war's done. He said it on the cross at Easter. It is finished. End of story. And here's another good promise. He's coming back. Now's good. <laughs> How's that for a future hope? In the meantime, let's focus on hope and let's focus on spreading it. And let's focus on being there for each other. Gosh, I love the way that people have been there for each other during all this. It's amazing. Caring for each other. Our biggest, strongest thing that we need to remember is when all of this has passed, and it will be, we need to keep on caring for each other to the same level. We need to not let that drop. There's power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. There's an army rising up to break every chain. I'd like you to stand to your feet now. If you, you know, I say that always with a bit of nervousness because some people say, why? Or some people say, I can't. And that's fine, you don't need to. I want us to pray. I don't want us to leave here today <laughs> without hope. And people at home as well, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, I don't want us to leave today without hope. I want to blast through this stuff. Because there's power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. And there's an army rising up to break every chain. For real. So close your eyes, raise your hands to heaven, and let's pray. Lord, right now, download hope. Push out despair. Download hope. Lord, for those who are in situations here today of physical pain, healing. Jehovah Rapha, bring healing. For those who are at home in isolation, release. Release from those symptoms. Release from stress. For those who are in situations where they haven't got the bug yet, and are worried when it might hit and how that's going to affect them. I pray for peace that passes all understanding. Lord, I pray right now for each and every one of us, may we rise up in hope with the sword of the Lord in our hands and strike down the lies of the devil. Build hope within us. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Your mercies are new every morning. You never change. Help us to keep that first and foremost in our lives. And Lord, I pray that none of us would be isolated. Help us to be honest and share. And in those times where we say, how are you doing? Lord, help us to be honest. I'm struggling. 
May we pray for each other. There is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. There is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. Say it with me. There is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. There is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen.